0: On CBS Sports Radio. That's true. Welcome back. I'm Jim Rome. Or good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Nice to have you here. All right. Cell phone number is toll free nationwide and in Canada. 1-800-636-8686. The rare good phone day. So keep it coming, clones. Stay after it. I've been saving this topic, one, because it was a wild, wild NFL weekend, and two, I want to wait for my guest. We have not talked a lot about Shohei and the big contract he signed. We are joined right now by a senior baseball writer for The Athletic, author of Smart Baseball and the Inside Game, a former special assistant to the GM of the Toronto Blue Jays, I'm speaking of Keith Law. Keith, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. So let me start with Shohei. He ends up, Keith, with the record-breaking contract, as we all assumed that he would. However, I'm not sure how many people thought that it might have a seven in front of it, as in $700 million. What is your overall reaction to the news?
1: It did blow away my expectations. Like I said, when he got hurt, when he hurt his elbow back in August, I said, you know, he's still going to get paid, right? He's still going to get well compensated. But if you'd asked me over or under $500 million, I don't think I would have taken the over. And obviously, he, he blew past that. But based on everything I've ever heard from, especially from people with the Angels, he's probably worth it. They made so much money from having him, just having him on the roster, never mind how much value he produces with his back and when he's healthy with his arm. Just having him on the roster is worth so much to a franchise. The Dodgers may end up making back all or most of his salary before he even plays a game. And then on top of that, he's obviously one of the best players in baseball history and slots right in to give them, I think, the best one, two, three rookie bets, M Freddie Freeman, whatever order you put them in, one of the best top threes in any lineup this year and probably in the last 10 or 15 years. So I actually think, despite the big number, this is probably going to work out okay for the Dodgers.
0: We were talking to Keith Law. It's funny. I was going to ask you that question. You pretty much answered it. I was going to say, obviously, that's an incredible deal for Otani. But is it a good deal for the Dodgers? And you would say yes.
1: I think so. I think even, look, they're, they're going to need pitching. And I mean for this year. He's not going to pitch until 2025. And they need pitching in the short term. So this can't be the only thing they do this offseason. seems crazy to say, hey, he's just spent $70 million. Good job. What's next? But that is kind of what has to happen. Their rotation for this year is pretty weak. That said, they probably have the best lineup in baseball right now. They were second in the NL and run scored per game last year, and they just got quite a bit better. I mean, they go from J.D. Martinez as the main D.H. to Shohei Otani. It's worth a couple extra wins right there. They just have to figure out what they're doing next on the pitching side, and then hope Otani comes back and is able to maybe make 20 or so starts in 2025, and then hope years beyond that that he's more of a full-time starting pitcher and that he can get back to the kind of starter he was when healthy before which obviously makes them substantially better too but it it as much as i think this deal is good for them on the field they can't be done this off season
0: Keith law is joining us Keith i'm not trying to be redundant but you're one step ahead of me on all these things i was going to say to you we know he's not going to pitch next year let me ask you this number 1 Do we know that the procedure that he underwent was a Tommy John procedure? Do we know that? And number two, how do you think he does project as a pitcher in 25 and beyond?
1: So we don't know. It's a great question. And someone even asked in the comments under my article today on The Athletic, why won't anyone say it was Tommy John? Because we don't know for sure. We know he had damage to the UCL, but we don't know what the actual surgery was. And a lot of pitchers, if it's only a partial tear to the ligament, opt for an internal brace, which gives the ligament a chance to heal itself. If it's a full Terry, you have no choice. You have to have Tommy John, or you're done. We just don't know which he had. It does seem like the timeline, the fact that he's supposed to be able to come back and hit in spring training and be on the roster on April 1st, that would imply it wasn't a full Tommy John, but I don't want to say that for sure because I, really, I just don't know. Either way, I would say after he misses what's going to be 18-plus months before he's actually pitching in games again, I would say – keep your expectations just for innings low for 2025 because also because he's a full-time hitter, he can't go out and rehab in August, September, make the usual rehab starts in the minors, go to instructs or pitch in fall league like someone who is only a pitcher would be able to do. And So I do think that's going to hold him back in terms of how quickly he can ramp back up his innings, and that may make him, like I said, maybe he's 18 to 20 starts in 2025, It's not until 2026 that you can talk about him as a full member of the Dodgers rotation.
0: We are talking to Keith Law. So, Keith, obviously, because there's never been a player like this ever before and probably never will be ever again, is this particular signing good or bad for the sport overall?
1: I know non Dodgers fans probably don't want to hear this, but I think having the, you know, he might be the best player in the history of the sport. He is certainly the most interesting in, you know, maybe the, the, He's a unicorn, right? There's there's no other word for it. He is unique. We have never seen a player like this. I told my kids, I don't expect to see a player like this again. Having him in a marquee, with a marquee team like the Dodgers, in a huge media market, I think that's probably good for the sport. And I know that's not the best thing to say for competitive balance. It's not something fans of small market teams want to hear. But I do think the sport is generally healthier when at least some of our big market teams are good and when some of our superstars play for some of the most famous teams or the teams in the biggest markets. It doesn't have to all be that way. But a little bit of a skew in that direction, I think, is better for the overall health of the sport because we are trying to attract younger fans, try to bring a new generation of fans in as the existing fan base ages. And Otani is the kind of exciting player who I think, I think he can do that. I think he can generate new interest in the sport for people who maybe haven't followed it much or have only been casual fans so
0: far. I agree with you 100% on that point. Keith Law is joining us. I absolutely agree with that. You know, you mentioned a couple of teams that missed on him. What about mm-hmm. the Angels? Like, the Angels, frankly, they're not far from where I'm broadcasting from. Hate to say it, but they were kind of a mess with Otani. Where does that leave them without Otani?
1: I mean, they just went all in the last couple of years, with figuring we've got Trout, we've got Otani, we have to go for it. I agreed with that. I agreed with honestly just strip mining the farm system just to try to eke out one playoff appearance with those guys that weren't able to do it for a whole host of reasons. But I do think the biggest one is probably the owner. Now they're in a situation where you've got trout who's probably passed his peak and hasn't been able to play full seasons for several years. Now you have no autonomy. You lose him basically for just a draft pick, which is not going to help the team next year. And the farm system's in really bad shape because They've traded so many guys. They've lost picks. They've traded prospects. They are just it, – it, it, they're in a bad way, and they need to tear it down. And they, I know Perry Manassian said we're not trading Mike Trout. Absolutely not. They need to consider trading Mike Trout. They should probably be trading just about everybody at this point and doing a full rebuild. I know the owner doesn't want it. I'm sure people in the front office don't want it, but I don't see how this team returns to contention unless they admit it's over. That window is closed. And it's time to turn
0: the roster over. Hmm. And one more thought about the Angels. Your point that they went all in and you're okay with that. I agree. Let me ask you this, though. Was it okay to hold him and lose him and get nothing in return? Or financially, were they going to run this thing out as far as they possibly could? In other words, it was pretty clear, right, what he wanted. He wanted to play for a winner. He wanted to get paid. He wanted the good weather. He was not going to resign there. Should they have moved him and gotten something for him?
1: The baseball answer is absolutely. They should have put him and probably Trout out there over the summer. Now, Trout was hurt, so obviously that impacted his value. But Otani, for sure, in July, before before he had either of his injuries, either the elbow injury that stopped him from pitching or I think it was an oblique injury that stopped him from hitting. In July, he was healthy and productive and would have fetched something on the trade market, even if for just two months he's worked so much on and off the field. They would have gotten a decent return for him. I wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, They just keep him because he's worth so much money. Another two-plus months of having him on the roster is worth so much in merchandise and corporate signage and sponsorships that they said, yeah, we we don't care about the two prospects we'll get in return. We'd rather take the $20 million in additional revenue we're getting because if he's gone, no one's coming to the games. And suddenly we lose a good bit of revenue instead.
0: I, I don't know the answer to that either. I just assume that. I assume that that's what that was, and that would make sense, Mm -hmm. right? So let me finally ask you this. What about the deal? Like, it's a historic deal for a unicorn. Is it an outlier in the sense that, I mean, yeah, for the amount, but like Juan Soto, the Yankees trade for him, and he's going to enter his prime. When he comes Mm -hmm. up, like, has this reset the market? Will there be other major, major deals as a result, or is this just a major outlier? I think it's a major outlier
1: because he's so unique on the field, but also off that he has because he's, Japanese, and the oh, allowing a team to advertise into the Japanese market, sell corporate signage, sponsorships, and so on to Japanese firms, knowing that the audience for those games is going to be enormous. Any game he's in is going to be enormous over in Japan. No other player can really bring that to the table. One Soto, right now, I think would be the best free agent on the market next winter. My guess is he gets a deal that's a little better than all those huge deals we saw a year ago, right? Judge and Turner and Bogart's. My guess, he tops those because the market at the top always tends to move upwards. But I don't think that Otani's deal resets the market, or, and I don't think, I'm sure Scott Boris will try, but I don't think that you can point to Otani and say, this is an indicator of what Juan Soto should be getting.
0: So Keith, one last thought, because you were a special assistant <laughs> to the GM of the Blue Jays. Like, was it always going to be this? Did we inevitably know that he was going to come to L.A.? Or was Toronto really in the hunt, and they take a big swing, and did they have a shot? It certainly seems that, I mean, they think they did. Um, I think they always knew they were a little bit of an underdog, right? The
1: expectation was always that he would go to the Dodgers, or at least that the Dodgers were the favorites, right? But if somebody made a better financial offer in Toronto, is a, it's a very global city with a really diverse population. Their games are broadcast through almost all of Canada. There's a lot of reasons why a global star would choose to go to Toronto. I don't think it was ridiculous that they were courting him, and, and I believe – that they were serious players, at least until at some point in the very end of the process. It just always seemed like he was an L.A. guy. He wanted to stay on the West Coast. Supposedly, he's got a house. building a house in Newport Beach. Gets an easier access to go back and forth to Japan. He's got some comfort level having lived in the L.A. area for several years. They they had some natural advantages that I don't think any other team was really going to be able to beat, especially once they came in with what I'm sure was the highest financial offer.
0: He is a senior baseball writer for The Athletic. He's the author of Smart Baseball and The Inside Game, a former special assistant to the GM of the Toronto Blue Jays, Keith Law coming in and breaking it all down. Keith, thank you very much. Great job by you, and I appreciate the conversation. My pleasure. Keith Law joining us. I like that. Good stuff. That's why I wanted to hold off until hour number three before we got into that. All right, so your reaction to anything you just heard. I have a lot of takeaways from that. One of them being one of the first things he said – It's kind of funny to say that you just committed $70 million a year to one player and you're still not done. But if they do nothing else, they probably still do not have enough to win at all. They need pitching. They need more pitching. So 70 mil is a lot, but not enough. They still need arms, but they got their guy. 1-800-636-8686. Antoine buffet coming up in the final segment, which means we are open next segment. You should take advantage of it. This guy's in. He writes, Dear Canada, sorry that an international superstar didn't want to live in an igloo. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Sorry that an international superstar didn't want to live in an igloo and adorn himself in beaver pelts. When he's not busy playing in an empty stadium. Here comes the unsolicited drive-by from an American. You see, this is why last week, Canada, when you were coming for me, I said, I'm the one who always defends you against this. I would never do this. Right, Rome, but you're reading it. Right, to prove my point. And I will finish reading it, but I would never, ever come at you like this. Dear Canada... Sorry that an international superstar didn't want to live in an igloo and adorn himself in beaver pelts when he's not busy playing in an empty stadium. I'm sure your 500 million Canadian Monopoly dollars is almost 100 million in real dollars. Maybe they will extend the hockey season to 12 months so you can feel some kind of purpose other than being known as people who drink syrup and stare into ice holes for, quote, fun. Signed, Vaughn in Knoxville. I mean, that's not even coming from somebody in Los Angeles or Southern California. That's just a totally errant stray from Tennessee. Gratuitous, unfair, unnecessary, over-the-top, Lazy, low hanging fruit, extremely unoriginal, and nothing we haven't heard a million times before. And Canada, the very thing I try to prevent and always defend you against. Hey, Rome, remember when that Kevin Brown $105 million contract was insane? Please. Please. This Otani contract is insane. J.P. and in Riverside. Right, a couple of thoughts there. You're right. That that Kevin Brown deal was insane at that time. Did you hear what Keith Law just said? He said they might be able to make all the money back before he even puts on a uniform. That's insane. The only thing more insane than a $700 million deal for one guy who's not a two-way guy right now. And when he does become a two-way guy, once again, we don't know what he'll have because we don't know what this procedure is. That's why I said to Keith Watt, do we even know that that was Tommy John? We don't know. That's how secretive they are about everything. We don't even know what the procedure was. When was the last time somebody had a major surgery and we didn't know what it was? But it factors in. But then again, it doesn't factor in because he's still got 700 mil." But even more insane than the contract is the fact that not only will inevitably pay for itself regardless of what he does. He just said it already paid for itself, and thinks not even dry on the deal. There's just so much money to be made off this guy, like Otani. Otani's not only a unicorn. You remember James Harden trying to make the argument that I'm not a system player; I'm a system. That's Otani. Except he's not a system. system Otani is his own GNP. He makes that much money for everybody. He is his own GNP. He's not a player. He's not a brand. He's not a business. He's his own GNP. He makes that much money. He's worth that much money. So yeah, it's insane, but maybe it's not. And my question is, if he didn't have that elbow surgery and he was going to pitch next year, then how much could he have gotten if he got 700 And we know he's on the shelf as a pitcher for a year and a half. Wild stuff. The only thing not insane or surprising is where he ended up. Of course, he ended up in L.A. Best chance to win, right up the highway from where he was. He's familiar with the environment here. He likes the weather, he likes the money, and he likes the team that can win right now. This guy writes, Vance Mack, when the hell did MLB become the Live Tour? $700 million for 10 years. This is so out of hand, and the fans are the ones that will overpay for these tickets now. We're having a baseball team in Milwaukee whose payroll is less than just Otani. Doug in the MKE. couple of thoughts what Keith Law said. He goes, I'm sure that every fan outside of L.A. is going to say this is not good for the sport, especially small market teams. I got a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, you can't really buy championships. Ask the Yankees. How much money have they thrown at it over the decades? And then how much do they have to show for it? Yeah, the pinstripers are the pinstripers. But just throwing money at it doesn't work. Ask the Padres. Ask the Steve Cohen Mets. So it doesn't guarantee anything. The difference between the Dodgers and the Live Tour, the Live Tour is throwing crazy, crazy, crazy money at some has-beens, no names mentioned, hefty, some never-were's. The Dodgers threw crazy money at the greatest baseball player ever who was arguably in his prime. You know, toughen up. It's different. It's not like that. This guy, uh, I don't even think there's a word for it. Unicorn to me doesn't even do it justice how unique this guy is, how different this guy is. And I say that not just from a baseball standpoint, but what he means to an organization off of the field as well. I mean, I think not only will they get their money back, they may make money on that investment. Possibly. Given everything, if he can stay relatively healthy and give them four or even five Otani-type years, I'll bet you that deal is long since paid for before he gets halfway through it. If he comes back and puts up the numbers he's been putting up. Yeah, I'm sure if you're in a small market, you're like, how are we supposed to compete with that? You can't you got to be smarter. And, and there are, see, that's the problem. The Dodgers are an extremely well-run organization. The Dodgers are an extremely smart organization. That's your problem. It's not like you have an organization that has all this money but really isn't run that well. They are, top to bottom. And I think that's also part of the appeal for Otani. Not only that he's familiar with the area and they want to win and they're committed to winning, I think that he likes they, how they do business. They're smart. All right, we will come back. I've got a short segment for you, but not too short for you to call. Hit me up. On behalf of Dave Roberts, I accept your apology, moron Dodger fans. They're freaked out because they thought that he scared Otani off.
1: Yeah, we met with him.
0: Turns out Shohei would not make the biggest decision of his life based on Dave Roberts saying absolutely nothing at the winter meetings. Yeah, I know. Shocking. Turns out you really were just looking for another reason to blame Dave Roberts, even though the thing you blamed him for hadn't even happened yet. and was never going to happen. On behalf of him, I accept your apology. This says, Oh, Shohei. Oh, Shohei. I never knew that losing you could ever hurt so bad. Signed, Toto. The Angel fan. Toto's not a thing. Don't try to make Toto a thing. Don't try to make Toto a thing. Don't try to make Toto a thing, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Done Granger is offering supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions call or click Granger.com or stop on by I need an ATP because it is time to answer your ask the pros question you get to submit a question to me it's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs get the parts and service you need fast from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts Hey, Jim, when you take your vacation in Wisconsin in the next few weeks, if the weather cooperates with a dumping of snow, are you going to participate in any outdoor, outdoor activities like snowmobiling or cross-country skiing? Or are you going to chill with Woody and eat pork chops and 12-egg omelets? Scott in Milton. Yes, of course. The answer is yes. It, to, to the extent of what, I don't know snowmobiling for sure. You want to have something crazy? I've never done that. I've never snowmobiled in my life, believe it or not. I think, nah, let me think, back to our Montana days. Once maybe. Once. Janet has been snowmobiling in Wisconsin already. She loved it. Loved it. So that's a guarantee. Woody will ensure that. Now am I going to cross country? Mm -hmm. Let's not get into that. Am I going to ice uh, fish? Let's no. not get
2: into that, yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I don't want to say no to anything. We'll see when I get there. I'm guessing Woody will have pork chops and dozen an egg omelets. Hey, Jim, do you ever kick back at the end of the day and put your feet up on your desk? Are there certain desks that shoes are allowed on, like home or studio offense, or office or is it a rule never to let your your shoe touch the blemish free white studio desk? Also, do you limit how often Big Head comes in a studio so he doesn't scuff the desk when doing his segment? JJ in KC. JJ You know, what, dude, I'm not a put my feet up on the desk kind of guy. Hate to give you up, Tommy, but I've seen you do it, bro. It's alright. Tight. Definitely not on the white desk though, no. I just I don't do that. Not because I've got any issue with it. I just don't do that. I don't put my feet up. Not at home, not here. I don't know. I'm kind of not into putting my shoes on furniture. I'm weird like that. Just not my deal. But thanks for the question, JJ. JJ Are you watching on TV? Look at this white JJ! desk. It's pristine. This this reads like this. This is an ATP for Cindy. Should I, Tommy? I have not I've not proved this. Tommy's response to me, and I quote, was, You're not gonna like it, but I think you should. That seems counterintuitive. This reads This is an ATP for Cindy. Uh Dumbo Silver and Mark Davis. We're both at that idiotic in season tourney this weekend in Vegas. So, Cindy, I ask you, whose disgusting, grotesque excuse for a face would you rather put makeup on? It's obvious face cake couldn't fix those freaks' hideous faces, but would alien, but what alien would be less nauseating for you to touch? Respectfully. V and the fee. V, you can't send me one of the most disrespectful things ever and then try to make it go away by signing it respectfully. V, you're rarely respectful of anybody or anything other than yourself. Cindy, don't answer that. Do not answer that, Cindy. She's just doing her job. In fact, she's doing a couple of jobs because Savage is AWOL. So she's back there doing his job, too. Do not answer that question. And and V, what is it about personal appearance not being show fodder do you not understand? That entire take was about personal appearance. And not in a good way. There's your ATP. That is largely forgettable. And by largely, I mean completely. Let me check something before I go to break. Do you like any of these calls, Tommy? before I get us to a sports update and then get us to A.B. We might as well go in market, on topic, to the man, Bob in L.A. Now, Bob, you can be pretty contentious and pretty cranky. Are you going to be upset about the signing of Shohei? Don't do that, Bob. Let's find out. Hey, Bob, what's going on?
2: Hi, Jim. Thanks for letting me get this in. And before my take, uh, I don't call very often. I want to be one of the first to wish you, certainly Dodger Jano, the best and the other people in your family and the big crew behind the glass, a safe, happy, healthy season, Christmas season.
0: Thank you very much. Now, for
2: my take on this one, Jim... Uh, On the Otani thing, Jim, you know, a week before they signed the thing, they said that Mookie Betts was going to play second base all year. And I said, why would they announce that? In my heart, really, I think by the middle of the season or if not the beginning of the season Otani will be playing the outfield for the Dodgers makes all the sense he can't just sit there as a DH because he he likes to be in the game too much it I'm sure he knows how he'll learn how to play the outfield that's not a big thing it opens up because he won't play second, uh, first base because Freddie's there forever so I really think that and that also helps the Dodgers try to get more pitching they don't have to buy many uh, buy any more for the outfield on this one so they can get in some more pitching but i really feel that otani would be happy in the outfield and the dodgers would have him uh in the outfield forever and finally jim i hate to disappoint you today but i am so happy with otani i can't be angry again jim thanks for the
0: vine i
2: am definitely
0: out appreciate you bob thank you very much i am disappointed i like you better when you're angry but i appreciate the kind thoughts The problem with Otani, look, I understand that you don't want to pay a DH $70 million a year. I get that part of it. The problem with him playing in the outfield is he's going to have to throw the ball back in. He's going to have to try to gun guys down. Hose people. I mean, I know the guy's a unicorn, but I don't think he's going to catch the ball, take off his glove, put the ball in his other hand, and launch it. That would be the problem with him playing the outfield right now. Obviously, he's got to rehab his arm, and it's going to be hard to rehab his arm, as Keith Law pointed out, elbow when he's batting. He is a DH. Ultimately, that will change. You're not paying 700 mil for a DH, even the Dodgers. But I don't see him playing in the outfield anytime soon. Why not just have him play short? See if we can make that throw from deep short or third base. All right. When we come back. Antoine Bethé, is going to join us. First up, though, here is your sports update. Rich Ackerman's got this one. So there is no such thing as too much NFL talk, which is why I'm going to wrap this show with some more NFL talk, except this time we are joined by a former NFL safety. He played 14 seasons for the Colts, the Niners, the Cardinals, and the Giants. He was a Super Bowl champion with the Colts in 07, a three-time Pro Bowler, co-host of the Man to Man podcast with Darius Butler. We are joined by Antoine Bethé, a B. Great to have you back. What's cracking, dude? How are you?
3: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How you doing?
0: Good, dude. Good. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Let me start, Antoine, with last night's game. Cowboys curb-stomped Philadelphia last night. So Philly has been hammered by both the Niners and the Cowboys in recent weeks. Like, no shame in losing to those teams, but how they lost has to be a concern. Meantime, Dallas looked great. What was your biggest takeaway or takeaways from last night's game?
3: Um, I think from last night, just, you know, how— you know, how confident Dallas is playing. You know, um obviously I think in the past years we talk about, you know, Dallas Cowboys and um them making a run in the playoffs. And typically this is the time of the year where they start to um show where they where they where they won't make that run. But this year, man, they they, they they're playing confident regardless of who who they're playing. Um they're going out, they're winning the games and um and last night Uh, They did it against a really good uh, Philadelphia Eagles football team.
0: So, Antoine, what about that? You just said a really good Philadelphia Eagles football team. Are they still that? For instance, how concerned are you about them after the way they've been beaten by Dallas and San Francisco?
3: They are a good team, Um, and they got beat by two good teams. And um, if you're watching the game, defensively, um, even though they have a good um, front, you know, somewhere with the Not to to call them out, but that linebacker crew in the middle of that defense, um, they've been struggling for the past uh, two weeks. And obviously when you get to December football and playoff football, um, you got to be able to run the ball and you got to be able to stop the run. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, man, that defense, they have some big names over there, but they have to be able to stop that run. So I know they're watching the film today. Um, as far as like how they can correct that going down in the stretch, but that's going to be one thing teams are going to focus on trying to run the ball against that defense.
0: Right. So, AB, what about the ref show? The ref show was the main topic once again as both Patrick Mahomes and Nanny Reid were furious about that flag that went against Kadarius Tony, nullifying what would have been a game winning touchdown against Buffalo. Do they have a right to be pissed or is this on Tony? And did the refs actually get this one right?
3: This is on Tony. Um, but again, I, I think we're just kind of, as fans, we're looking at the picture. Um, we're looking at the the, uh, the still shot of you know Tony lining up offside. Now, if he looked at the ref and the ref gave him the okay, which I probably probably did because he threw the flag. But if you Tony, if you looking inside at the ball, you can clearly see that you're you're offside. So you have to you have to you have to take a step back. And obviously, as fans, as players, you don't want um, the referee being a decided factor in the game, but as players, you know, we got to control what we can control. And that's definitely something that Tony could have controlled in that situation.
0: I agree. So, A.B., what about the Chiefs? They've lost four of six. The receivers are kind of a mess right now. The offense is not what it used to be. And there's a very real chance that Mahomes may have to play his first playoff game ever on the road. Like, one to ten, what is your level of concern for K.C.?
3: Um. <clears throat> I wouldn't say concern. Um, I would say it's teams on the AFC side that's better than them though. So um they one thing that KC does have is that they 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 are battle tested. They've been down this road before and that's something that you can't take away from, you know, the Patrick Mahomes and um the Kelsey and um and Andy Reid. But, you know, they just know they just know if you do go on the road, you got some really good teams in the AFC. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, um, the Baltimore Ravens, and, and some other teams out there that they have to, you know, they got to they gotta bring their A game.
0: I was going to ask you about those two teams when you said they're better teams. I thought you'd say Baltimore and Miami, and you did. What about Miami? Do they still have something? Look, we know they're explosive. We know they're good, but they have not fared well against teams with winning records. We also know that. Do you fully buy into them, or do you need to see more from them before you say they're the ones to beat in the AFC? I mean, at this point of the year, um, I think, what well, we got four or five weeks left. So, now, you know,
3: it is what it is. Teams are who they're going to be, right? So, we know offensively that you can take the top off the, um, off the opposing defense. Um, the defense with, with Vic Sangio with Jalen Ramsey getting back, you know, they're starting to get into their groove. So, I think the Miami Dolphins are who they are. Now, you know, when you go into the playoffs, teams are going to try to – not try, teams should make you beat them left-handed. And – Teams that, you know, typically play on a two shell, um, not let, you know, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle um beat them over the top. They they kinda not say struggle, but it's it's tougher for them on the offensive side of the ball. But I think Miami is who they are, who we see on film week in and week out. They're explosive offense, defensively, they can make some things happen. Um, so I think yeah, they 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 are they are a good team.
0: So, A.B., what about Buffalo? Are they who they are, or who do we think they are? Like, they're 7-6 and six right now, and there's a lot to like about them, but they've had a lot of problems, some self-inflicted, some not. I mean, do they look like a playoff team to you, or even a playoff team that could do damage?
3: They are exactly who they are. They are 7-6, and six, um, and their season um, has been exactly what it's been. It's been a very up-and-down, inconsistent um, year for them, um, and that starts with their quarterback. Their quarterback, you know, he shows flashes of the, just the, how much talent that he has, but then there's some things where, you know, he has to be able to protect that ball. Um, but if you do get them in a situation where they get into the playoffs, you have to be um, wary just because of Josh Allen has talent, he has um, talent, he has the playmakers around him, Stefan Diggs, um, that that can make it happen. The defense, you know, the defense hasn't been as good as they have, have been um, in past seasons. But if that team does get in the playoffs, there's something that, you know, you have to be wary, wary. Um, about because that offense can't put points up on the board.
0: Right. So, A.B., I'm really curious what you think about Detroit. Like, only a few weeks back, we were talking about them maybe having a shot at the number one seed in the NFC, and then all of a sudden, they're just hemorrhaging, right? I mean, the Bears got them, and that's not a one-off either. They, I, I've had concerns about them in recent weeks after thinking they were all of that. What has happened to this team, and can they get it fixed coming down the stretch?
3: I, I think they can. Um, again, you know, I think we always talk about it. Like on Sunday, you can throw the records um, out of the window, especially when you talk about division, divisional, um, divisional games, you talk about rivalry games and that's exactly what that was um, with the Bears. Not to give the Detroit Lions an excuse, but I think um, if you look at their their games this year, it's kind of been like that. It's kind of been some games that they won that they could have lost, um, but, you know, they found ways to win. So Detroit – you know they they they've been playing really really well, but they have to get more consistent as we come down the stretch and going into the playoffs. Because if not, um, you know it could be an early exit for them um, in the playoffs.
0: So Antoine, on a personal note, you are among 28 finalists in this year's class for induction into the Black College Football Hall of Fame as a proud Howard University alum. What does this honor represent to you?
3: Uh, it means everything, you know. That's where you know. I won't say I got my start in football, but when you talk about the the legends that that's come from historically black colleges and universities, the Walter Paytons, the the Mel Blounts, the Aeneas Williams, the um, Harry Carson's, Walter Pay. I can go down the line. Jerry Rice, just a um, just a rich um, history of 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 players that have come from a historically black college and university. So for my name to even be potentially, um, be beside theirs, man, it's an honor. um, And I'm I'm truly humbled.
0: Good for you. Congrats. You mentioned Mel Blunt. That's got me thinking about the Steelers. Dude, what is going on with the Steelers? I would never think, look, I'm not inside that locker room. I have no idea. But there seems to be some dysfunction there, dysfunction that I would not expect from a Mike Tomlin coach team. What do you make of their situation?
3: It's tough. It's tough. And as you said, you know, with a uh, Mike Tomlin-led football team, you know, he always has his guys coming out um, prepared and ready to play. But it just seems, like you said, it's just some dysfunction in the locker room, you know. And this is where the leaders in that locker room try to pull it together. It's so much that coaches um, coaches can say or do. Um, so, you know, it's the players. Um, in the locker room, they got to hold their guys that they're going up against and lining up, lining up with, and holding them accountable. And I think that's the biggest thing is just the accountability aspect um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like you mentioned, you know, we're not in the locker room before what we just kind of see on 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 film on Sundays. It's that accountability.
0: We'll see. They were 7-4 and four not long ago, and they had a couple of really bad losses. He is a former NFL safety, once again, 14 years in the league. Colts, Niners, Cards, Giants, and a Super Bowl champ as well, Antoine Bethay, A.B., great to have you on, man. Thanks so much. Always going to chop it up with you. Always, man. Talk to so you next time. Yes, sir. Be good, A.B. Always like talking to him. Huge Call is brought to you by Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger is offering supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call or click granger.com or stop on by. Pretty healthy start to the week. I like it. Had some phone calls and a couple of really good guests. Look at this guy, Stucknut. Stucknut, quote, worst Bob in L.A. call ever. He wasn't pissed about anything. Run
2: his ass down.
0: Hey, Nut. So I was talking to my author. We're working on a book project. I want to turn him loose on some notable clones. Nut, I'm asking you on the air, since you know everything about the show and even more than me, would you be up for taking a telephone call from my guy? A few of you other callers I'm targeting. Would it be all right with you... If my guy were to call you and pick your brain about what the show means to you and how you approach being a caller, keep that in mind. I don't want you to be shocked. And point is, when we reach out to you, it's legit. <laughs> Easy, Alvy. Butt nuts, Alby. I didn't give Alvy what he wanted, so he just fired it himself. My thanks to the XR4TI. Cindy, thanks for stepping it up today. Appreciate you. You too, Chalk. Alvy, see ya. We're out.